Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. You know, before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore and the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the rise of outlaw country music and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision in her tiny living room, far from Nashville's Music Row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Hey, I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the St. Jude kids. St. Jude's doing incredible work fighting childhood cancer. And because of donations, like the ones that you get, families never receive a bill ever from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, food, none of that. Help St. Jude stop childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope. Get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. It's going to look great on you. So join all the doctors, researchers, and me in this fight. All right, text the word Bobby. It's only six numbers to 785-833. Again, text the word Bobby to just these six numbers, 785-833. Welcome to episode 296, Parker McCollum and Emma Klein. You're going to love them both. Uh, We spend about an hour with Parker, do about a half hour with Emma. Just uh, two great interviews, two artists I'm huge fans of. Uh, let's get going now with the top five releases that I'm most excited about this week. Uh, Kaylee Shore at number five. She put out a new project with three songs. It's called 3 by 3 Volume 1, The Chicks. It's all Chicks covers. Here's her version of Cowboy Take Me Away. I said cowboy take me kind of like that alternative yeah. Chicks vibe. At number four, Cody Johnson is covering a Willie Nelson song with Willie Nelson. It's Sad Songs and Waltzes. Sad songs and waltzes aren't selling this year. It's a good thing that I... I love that song. That's a classic Willie, man. Uh, At number three, Travis Denning released a new song called Call It Country. Here you go. We keep that needle in the red on that hell-raising me. He will be on this podcast next week. I love that guy. At number two, Emma Klein, who you will hear later on. She has a new EP called Love Me Too. It's so good. She's so good. Here's a new song called Down. Baby, I'm so afraid. If you keep me around till day breaks, will you still feel the Check that out. I'm in tears. <laughs> and then number one, and you wonder, how can you have a guest on and not have them number one? That's what everybody wonders right now. How do you yeah. have Emma Klein at number two 
when you have a guest, she's your guest. But number one is going to be Eddie and I put out. He's my special guest right now. Hi, Eddie. Oh, hey, how's it going, guys? We put out. Uh, <laughs> Eddie's joining us virtually from right across the table from me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you hear me? We, uh, we put out a new EP called Award-Winning EP. We have three songs. We have Can't Say That in the Country song, which has already been out with John Party. We have the Grandma song, which is recorded live when we do a live comedy show. And then a song called Fanny Pack. Do you have it from the beginning? Uh, I have the chorus of it. Okay. What's well, the chorus? <laughs> what is it? We have two where choruses. We say fanny pack. Like right before the chorus. Okay, here we This is our song. It's all about wearing a fanny pack. It's a Beastie Boys tribute song. Yeah. Here we go. I'm walking down the street, all eyes on me. What's that around my waist in neon green? I'm zipped in the front and snapped in the back. Y'all already know that's my fanny pack. Jam. Yeah. Number one. You just talked over the zipping solo. You get that mic? Yeah. <laughs> Good point, Eddie. Yeah, I forgot. I want you guys to know. Yeah. That's a zipper solo. That's Bobby on the zipper. Zip, 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 zip. What was your inspiration on that? I did one take. I oh. walked in and just felt it. You did? Nice. Yeah. All right. There you go. <laughs> we know we're dumb, guys. But we love it. We do. And we're, we're doing a few shows this year. We're doing Bobby Fest in Kansas and New Braunfels, Texas. Uh, we won't do a lot of shows, but we hope you guys come out and watch. It is a fun, fun, fun show. But I would imagine if you don't know who we are and somebody brings you to a show and we're playing a bunch of rock, like hard, funny comedy stuff, you're like, what's happening? Mm -hmm. I think when we play, like we played festivals a few years ago, and, and, and I think the very beginning, people are always like, what are we watching? Because we're I in like uniforms <laughs> and it's like the Wiggles, adult yes. Wiggles. Yes, but I think like five songs in or four songs in, they're like, Okay, I kind of understand what these guys are doing. And then by the end, they're like, yeah, that was awesome. And we have songs that people will sing back to. And I think if you've never heard it, you're like, how do you know this song? For example, like, I want Chick-fil-A, yeah. but, but it's Sunday. Like, that's an old classic of ours. Sure, and sure. People are like, and some, now people are going, I miss the old sound of the Raging Idiots. <laughs> oh, hey, yeah. but we must evolve. You know, we, we have, have to remember we have to that. Um, just uh, Maddie and Tay have a new song uh, called Mood Ring. It's the honorable mention here. Here's a clip of Mood Ring. Dustin Lynch and Chris Lane have a song called Tequila on a Boat. Album's out today. Oh, you can play a clip if you want. Tequila on a boat, a boat on a lake. Alan Jackson has a new album today called Where Have You Gone? J. Cole has the off-season. Black Keys have Delta Cream. And St. Vincent, have Daddy. she has Daddy's Home. <laughs> a couple music notes. Apple shares a trailer for the new docuseries 1971, The Year That Changed Everything. You'll get a closer look at the most iconic artists and songs, uh, including from 1971, the Rolling Stones, Aretha Franklin, Bob Marley, Marvin Gaye, The Who, John Lennon, and Lou Reed. Garth Brooks is doing a big stadium show in Nebraska, in Lincoln. That'll be massive. It'll be the first music event at the stadium in 34 years. Luke Bryan's doing six shows in February of next year. Uh, residency shows in Vegas. I think Carrie's doing that in December of this year. Yep. Maren Morris and Miranda Lambert are the front runners for the CMT Awards. And there you go. Enjoy. This is going to be great. You're going to love both of these artists, Parker McCollum and Emma Klein. Support them if you can. Parker's killing it. Emma is on the, the verge of it. If you can support her by streaming her music if you like it, sharing her stuff. I mean, that's what it's all about to new artists. And 
Uh, away we go with uh, Bobbycast number 296. Here with Parker McCollum, which you're over at the house, and I walked in, and is that your truck? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Why is it? Well, because you don't live here. I do now. Breaking news. Yeah, I just bought a house um, like five miles from here. I just moved in a week before. We're actually moving in right now. There's a lot of stuff we have, a lot of stuff well, we have. Well, that's breaking news to me. I didn't yeah. know that. Has that been, yeah. Have you said that yet? Um, CMT did a little kind of MTV Cribs kind of thing, off the road deal. Um, did they show your house? They showed the inside of it. But it, it was weird because it's, there was, that was like two days after we had closed. So there's literally nothing. There's not even a pot on the front porch. But no outside of it. No outside of it. Man, got to be careful. Yeah. I, used to be, I used to put everything out all the time. I was, I was like, you know what? If it's me, everybody can see. Yeah. Because I, about the third time I got robbed, I was like, you know what? This is yeah. not. This. Dude, uh, Hallie Ray, my girlfriend, walked outside. I, ha- I bought a new leaf blower, like the big Ryobi leaf blower with the big 40-volt charging batteries. I got like 30 of them lined up in the garage. So I'm just, a, it like instantly went dad mode as soon as I'm out the house. That's cool. Congratulations. Thank you, man. Very is much. that the first place that you've bought? Or did you have a Yeah, that's my first. That is my first owning of any kind of real estate. That's great. Mm-hmm. Look at you. And you live pretty close to here. Yeah, not far away. Just down, uh, well, I guess I won't say now. Yeah, good. Yeah, don't say. Just down that way. Just down that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can come over and hit the golf simulator sometime when it's raining or nighttime. I, that's I what need, we do. I need it bad. I just saw a meme that was like, it was a picture of a clown laying in bed and it said, this is me after hitting a smooth 109 with my $1,300 <laughs> custom fitted clubs. Yeah, I, things seem to be going pretty good for you. you know, are going good. I was talking to somebody about you. Um, yeah, we because we have the same, we're under the same management umbrella. We don't have the exact same managers, but we both are in the same company. And so my my guy, I don't know if you know who Tom Lord is, but he's like over Red Light, um, cre- like a, the creative, right, mm-hmm. the, the promotion. And so I was talking to him. I was like, man, you know who really got lucky is Dirks. And he said, why? I said, because he's got Parker on as his baby act. And yes. Parker would be a big middle act for someone now because he's blown up so much. I'm assuming that that was what was happening before COVID, yes. and you guys are just honoring the yeah. contract. Yeah, he just, I didn't want to, I've always kind of, I think Enzo and I talk about it all the time, just doing good business, and um, it's all about playing the long game, so don't get caught up, you know, or too caught up in, you know, that instant gratification, so. Well, that's yeah. good on you, and for yeah. people that don't know, like, Parker has decided to be a good guy and stay committed to a deal that he made and make significantly less money. Yeah. That says a lot about you as a person, and I'll oh, say that you're not going to you're never you're not going to say that in an interview, but I will yeah, because I appreciate I, it. You know, as someone who tours and makes a living on the road too, yeah. you know, when you finally start to get those bigger guarantees, your life changes. Yeah. You don't want to buy a house and then be first to three. You know, that's, that's not that's, ideal. That is true, but but that's a big shout out to you because that, that's Thanks, you man. and Riley and and Dirks. I remember once when it was, and all of these artists are have had their own time where they've been huge but it was lady a and hunter hayes was a middle act and they had a new baby act uh-huh. uh named sam hunt who blew up yeah and sam was playing 15 minutes and mm-hmm. half the crowd was coming to see sam mm-hmm. and that's the comparison that i made to with you i was like oh, half the crowd is gonna show up to see parker and yeah. but um knowing you you'll be back around quick You're, if i didn't love riley and love dirks i could see myself probably feeling different about it but man they're they're just as cool as they come dude. well a plus guy i just wanted i just wanted to Highlight that. That's an A-plus guy and an A-plus business decision by you guys. You too, Enzo. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I know I that just get had all the to credit. be tough. I know that had to be tough. Uh, what, what prompted the move to Nashville? Uh, man, it was kind of like, it was kind of a couple of things. It was, you know, I hadn't been home more than two or three days at a time in like four or five years. 
And so when COVID happened, I was kind of like, it was, I really, there were some silver lines. I enjoyed it. But by the time Christmas kind of rolled around, and I'd been looking at houses up here all during COVID, I was like, man, real estate's going to bomb. I go in there and get it in a good time. It didn't happen. Everything went up. It's as high as it's ever been. But I just kind of, I think I was, I moved to Austin 10 days after I graduated high school to try to play country music for a living. Um, and I kind of felt back home in Texas that I'd climbed the totem pole a little bit. And I wanted to feel like up here, I'm not like I'm at the bottom and I need that ish, not the bottom, I, the but bottom, yes, the bottom but, compared to where I would like to be. Got it. And, and I just needed that. I was like, man, I don't want to, I, I, mean, I haven't, I'm so far from where I'd like to go. I'm so far from making it in my mind. Um, and so being here, um, kind of, you know, humbles you a little bit and, and kind of keeps you you're like, man, I got a long way to go. I better and it keep makes you gas. better. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Now you're around people and listen, I can say this as someone who lived in Austin for 15 years. Like I love that feels like home to me. Still, yeah, it is home. Like home. when people are like, "Hey, where are you from?" Like I grew up in Arkansas, but Austin was as much from 22 to you know 35. Yeah. Like that city was and still is me. But I had to level up a bit too. And it was, do I want to be on an Austin and 10 other cities, or I want to come and make a national show and, and see if I can run with the big boys. Yeah. And that's you know basically what you had to do too. And I just I kind of got burnt out too. I was I was like, man, I feel like I did what I came here to do. When I gra- in 2011, I graduated high school, and moved there. You know, when I was sitting at home during COVID, and finally was forced to slow down and think about everything, and kind of, and had never done that. And uh, I was like, man, let's just get out of here for a little while. I know I'm going to grow old here, so you know, before I start doing that one day, at least go live somewhere else for a little while. Ah, congratulations, man. That's pretty Thank cool. You, you bought a house, it. and your girlfriend's with you. She is there. How was that decision for her? It was kind of funny. She had, since we started dating, she was always, you know, she was like, just, you know, we're not going to live together until we're married. And I was like, that's cool. You know, I was like, I'll squeeze every last day of that. I love living by myself. I think it's great. <laughs> and um, I was laying on the bus the other night right before we, like, were moving in. And I was like, it's like my last night alone. And I'm on a bus with five guys. Um, but she had always said, she was like, we won't live together until we're married. And then uh, as soon as I bought the house, she was like, well... I'm going to be here all the time. And she started nursing school. She started today, actually. Here? Started, yeah, here in Nashville. Love um, it. So she was like, well, I guess you know, I'm going to be there anyway, so I might as well move in. I was like, yes, absolutely. Why would you go? Did a part of you go, I don't know. Or were you told? Nah, I'm telling you, with my, my fiance now, there was not a part of me that even hiccuped. It was no. the first time ever that that no. even, it was like, hey, because she came and stayed with me during COVID when all lockdown happened at the first of it. And it was like, hey, do we move? And it, it was just like, yep. No. It was just like naturally, yep, of course. Well, you probably feel the same way about Caitlin. Like, Hallie Ray is the sweetest, easiest, most wonderful human. Everybody likes her way more than they like me once yeah, they I, meet her. I feel you there. And uh, so, I mean, I was, I knew from the first time I ever met her, I was like, we're just, she's an easy, extremely easy person, man. Living with her was never even, a, I had no doubts. Talk to me about the beginning of music for you. When did you start playing? I won't say bars, but maybe that's where you started. How old were you? Were you a teenager trying to play mm-hmm. places? And what were those places? Yeah, and I grew up in a town just north of Houston called Conroe. I went to high school in a town called The Woodlands, which is like five miles from it. We had a bunch of shows at The, Wood- the Woodlands. Yeah, took, there. yeah we were headlining. For the, I graduated high school on that stage, and we're headlining it in October. I'm like... That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's really yeah. Cool. Um, but there wasn't much of a music scene down there, uh, especially for... There wasn't any country... Every kid in my high school wanted to be a rapper. Like, I was listening to Old Crow and Robert O'Keefe and Randy Rogers Band, and nobody at my... Nobody I grew up with listened to that stuff. My older brother and stuff, but... So I kind of, that's what kind of made me go to Austin. I wanted to go find a bunch of people who were kind of like-minded into the same stuff, but I think I had my first paying gig. played on a flatbed trailer in Giddings, Texas. The Hayseed Festival, maybe? Um, How old? 
I was 16. My mom let me drive myself. And then she showed up to make sure I got there safely. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I tell mean, it, well, I guess now it's cool, but at the time I was like, what are you doing that's here? That's true. That's true. It's cool that she, here's what was cool. She let you drive by yourself mm-hmm. and then trailed you. She didn't go, I'll drive you. Yes. Yeah. I mean, she's, it, it was, looking back, it's super cool that she was there because that guy ended up paying me like nine months later, I think, like 75 bucks. He waited that long. He probably was trying to get away with not paying He sent me you. a check. Yeah. So you, you play this at 16. Were you going, this would be fun because I like to play a little guitar, or were you going, heck, I'm 16, I think I'm going to do this for my career? I knew, when I was like a junior in high school, is when I really started, my brother and sister were older, they were both in college at the time, so I was like the baby, I was the last one, kind of, the reins were kind of looser on me, I did, I, my mom was not near as strict on me my last years of high school as she was, my siblings, so I was sneaking out of my bedroom window on the roof, you know, every night, coming back in and wigging out, trying to write songs. And that's really when, and I was like, I don't, like, I don't stand out at sports. I was okay. Wasn't anything special. But I could play guitar and write songs and sing way better than any of my friends. And that's when I was kind of like, all right, this is it for me. Were you the music kid? Maybe not the band kid, but were you the kid who played music in high mm-hmm. school? They know yeah. you as that? Oh, yeah. If there was sure. a party, would you have, ever have your guitar to play? Every now and then they'd get me to do it. But, I mean, it, again, I was playing like, you know, Randy Rogers songs and Pat Green songs and stuff. Like, they weren't, those kids were like, who? So. And did you decide you were going to wait till you graduated high school to move off? Um, well, I had to, you know, I, it's not that I didn't get into college. I didn't exactly apply. Um, I filled out my name for a couple of schools <laughs> on the form, and then once they sent back insufficient application letters, um, I was like, Mom, I'm just going to go to Austin Community College. And just so I could move to Austin and, it really, I knew I wasn't going there to go to school. So I enrolled. I was enrolled for a year. Um, Did you go to class at all? A couple times. Nice. I actually ended up <laughs> not going to class, but my business professor I had met on like the first day, we ended up becoming good buddies, and we would hang out outside of class all the time. But I never went to his class. Um, he's a super cool guy. And, uh, but I was just, it was really just a means to get to Austin. And, um, man, I met Corby Schaub at the Saxon Pub on South Lamar, who had just quit Ryan Bingham and the Dead Horses, who were my favorite band in the world at the time. I thought they walked on water. When you say met him, though, were you both hanging out? Were you trying to play? Were you asking if you could play? I was not playing there yet. Um, in fact, it might have been the exact next day that David Cotton, who used to book those clubs down there, called me and was like, can you play tomorrow night at the Saxon? And I was like, dude, I only got like five songs. And he was like, well, play them all three times. And um, How did he know you played? Um, a girl named Ashley Monocle was there that night who had, I'd kind of, she was, she thought I was good and was trying to get me to meet some people. And she was like, you need to hear this kid. And he didn't even listen. He was just like, all right, cool. You can play here tomorrow night. So you met the guy before you even played there. Mm-hmm. And what did that relationship turn into? He ended up producing the Limestone Kid, my first record. Cause he had, he was in original Dead Horses with Ryan Bingham, like through Mescalito and Roadhouse Sun, two of my favorite records of all time. Um, and so when I was in the bar that night and I was only 20 at the time, I was in there with a fake ID. They ended up finding out I'd played there a couple of times and then they made me stop playing there until I was 21 and I was allowed to come back. Um, but I met him and I just, I remember that night I was like, dude, you you play guitar for Ryan Bingham. And he was like, no, I did play guitar. He's like, I just quit the band like the week before and I was just crushed. And then, uh, like two weeks later, that same girl was like, Hey, come over to my house. Corby's over here doing some demos for me. And I'd just written two of those songs on that first record like the day before and played them for him. And he was like, man, let me produce your record. So I don't think he had ever produced a record before. But, so what does that mean to you, let me produce your record? How many songs did you have? Or did you go, 
I'm not there yet. Let me write some more. What was that? I, I actually, the songs I had, there was the money problem that, and I had my, and my dad's a very successful guy. He had offered to do it, pay for all of that. And I just respectfully declined because I wanted to do it on my own. So I actually went and took out a loan and, uh, that took, that was a quite a process to not have, I had no credit or anything. I had my granddad co-sign on it. Once I got the money, it was like, okay. And then I didn't take out enough. He was like, all right, well, we have enough for four songs. So we did a four song EP, which was called a Red Town View. Um, and he's like, when you get some more money, we'll go in and do the full album. And so I went and took out another loan, and those four songs kind of compiled with the other six to make, or seven to make an 11 song album. Were you playing a bunch as you're making this record? Because it sounds like when you met him, you weren't playing, you were not playing that often. A little bit. My, that was, um, I was living with my brother, my older cousin, in this house in South Austin, Manchac and Slaughter, if you know. Oh, I used to is. live right there. I used yeah. to live Brody and Slaughter. Yeah. So and you're so, talking about one road difference. Yes. And I was, I was living there. I was enrolled in school. And man, I just, I was unmotivated. I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea how to go get a gig um, that someone hadn't just handed me. And so my brother actually one day was like, I think he, he was, he's six years older than I, I am. So I think he kind of saw me just sort of, not doing anything, but if, I think he thought I was talented. And he's a, my brother's a phenomenal songwriter, so he's he's a very good judge of that. And um, and he, I remember him saying to me one night, he's like, "Dude, just go book thirty shows in thirty days and see if you can ever quit." He's like, "Play those and see if you ever stop." I didn't get thirty in thirty days, but I ended up playing like twelve shows that month, and I've been playing ever since. So as you're performing and you have this record, are you selling it at the table? How are you? How are, what are you doing with that record? I had um, I had paid a guy to print. I, th- I want to say like two hundred and fifty copies, maybe three hundred copies, and I just always kept them with me, and I would just hand them out everywhere I went. Like do you know, Steamboat Music Festival. I do. I used to go up there and and as a fan, and uh, my buddy's parents would actually take him and I. They're big music fans, and they paid for me to go one year, and I walked around the lobby handing out that EP. So you're just handing them out. You yeah. weren't selling them. No. You were like anybody listening to this. Yeah, just take a listen and. Uh, and then right before COVID, we headlined the whole festival, closed it out. So it's kind of a cool little story. But it was very, I was, I'm the luckiest human in my mind to ever live. Like, I mean, it, exactly how I thought and dreamed about it happening when I was 17, is besides COVID, clearly, which is probably for everybody, exactly how I dreamed about it and thought it and hoped it would happen and wanted it to happen when I was 17 is exactly how it's gone. So who saw you? And said, dang, I would like to invest my brain power, my money, my time into making this person a better artist. Like, who was the first person to take a chance on you? Corby Shaw was really the first person to take a chance on me. But, I mean, I went and took out the money. He just thought I was good, wanted to produce my record, thought it was worth his time. The first person to really go, you got it, I can help you, was Randy Rogers from the Randy Rogers band. And where did you meet Randy? Uh, I was first of four opening for him and two other bands uh, in Corpus Christi one day. We had a van. We didn't have a trailer then. We took out the back seat, and all the gear was in the back of the, the van. Um, and I listened. I'd been obsessed with him my whole life. You know, he was like royalty down there to me. And uh, we were opening for him. We had just pulled up. I remember we pulled up in the van. I look at my tour manager at the time, Jake Murphy, and I was like, all right, well, let's get out and go talk. We'd been playing quite a few shows at that point. Just nothing. I mean, no, no go shows. Terrible stuff. And um, But we were touring a lot. And I remember looking at him, and I was like, let's go talk to a bunch of people who don't want to talk to us. We opened the van. Randy Rogers comes walking up. He's got on Gucci shades, 59, 50 hat, um, you know, uh, van shoes, jorts, gold chain, rolly on his wrist, like 
not what you think Randy Rogers is going to walk up. I mean, he looks so G. Um, I remember he walked up and he was like, if you guys need anything, let me know. I was like, all right, that's cool. He's a headliner to come and, you know, at least holler at us. And then he said, actually, we went and played our show at like 3.30 in the afternoon. I looked over on the side of the stage and he was, he watched our whole set. Um, and then five hours later, he plays his show at 10 o'clock at night and I was standing side stage for his show and he walked off and I'd never been on a tour bus and he's like, let's go to the bus. Right as he walked off stage. Um, and we went to the bus and went to the back lounge and he just lounged and he sat down and he was like, look, I've been doing some research on you. I had only had that one record, the Limestone Kid out. And he's like, this record is phenomenal. Um, he's like, you can be a star. That night, he was like, you could, you have star power. You could be a star. I just want to help you avoid some of the mistakes I made. I would love to help you get there. I don't want anything from you. I just want to help. Um, so go home and think about it. That's something you want to do. And uh, I actually ended up just trying to call my mom, trying to call my dad, trying to call my brother. Everybody was asleep. And I was freaking out. And I was like, Randy Rogers. Once he had just started a management company. And um, he didn't really have any. But I think he had. He was running, doing some stuff with Bruce Robinson at the time and maybe someone else. Um, but they needed like a kind of a main focus and right place, right time kind of thing, I guess. But he, uh, man, he took time out of his life to come to Nashville and go into Universal Records and Big Machine. And, so he came and, and did the oh, pitches yeah. with you. Yeah, he had a condo up here still, and he let me come up here and stay in his condo for free and write and got me a publishing deal. Walked into every major label in town and said, if you pass on this kid, you're passing on the next George Strait, which, overhyping it, I would say quite <laughs> quite a bit. He's uh, setting me up to fail. But um, just for he's a family man. He has a wife and kids, and he's got a whole life outside of touring. And he plays 150 shows a year. And he would take time to fly up here on a weekly basis with me and write and get me in rooms and go in there and say crazy outlandish things like that to major labels and... Um, Got me a record deal, publishing deal. Um, and they, they just, I call him dad for a reason. People always ask why I call him dad. So, When you started to do the tour of A.M. Parker, I know you have a record, you're a big fancy record label. Mm-hmm. How did that go for you? Was the first one easy or was it weird? How many did you go through until you settled on where you are now? Um, we met with all the majors. And then I think we met with Bid, Big Loud as well. Um, and kind of before that, a lot of smaller labels had been kind of coming to Austin and whining and dining and doing that kind of thing where they take you out and, and they do the whole thing, which is really cool. And it's all right. I had never had any record label, you know, kind of holler at, at any capacity. Um, and so once the majors really came out and were like, and once one of them does, it's kind of like they all come calling. It's kind of like a bidding war. Even if they like you or not, I think they just don't want to miss out more and they don't want to be told no, which I completely understand that. Um, but I remember sitting there, Enzo remembers it too. I mean, I just... You know, you have every major label in country music sitting there going, you know, what? and, and we already had a huge touring base and, and generated quite a bit of revenue touring, so I kind of had all the leverage was on our side. We kind of were in the driver's seat. Um, and they offered a bunch of money up front and all this stuff, and I said, look, I don't want your money. I said, I want creative control. And I was like, I just want to be able, my whole dream was to be on a major label with creative control and be able to do what I want to do. If it doesn't work, cool. That's it. You know, I don't think you'll ever lose money. We already make you enough money as we tour. Um, but, I mean, I bet on me because I'll bet on myself for sure. And, you know, it probably, I don't know how it came off at the time, but I guess it worked because they all made great offers. And, and I was able to counter and, and get the deal that I wanted. So. so you get to decide. Yeah. 
This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. And Tacova's is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacova's has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort, little to no break-in period. Like it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet, the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events. There is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How do the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as the Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, that's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and TJ Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the Boar's Nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer, and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the Boar's Nest. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the kids at St. Jude. St. Jude's been leading the way in the world's best survival rates for some of the most aggressive forms of childhood cancer. Your support means that families never get a bill from St. Jude for treatment or travel or housing or food so the families can focus on helping their child live. And that really hits home for me because I've been to St. Jude many times. I've hung out with the kids, played music for the kids. I was in the hospital a lot as a kid. Now, I didn't have cancer, but if it wasn't for people stepping up, I don't know that I would have been able to go and stay in the hospital and be taken care of. So that's why we do this, take care of others. You can help St. Jude stop childhood cancer by becoming a partner in hope. When you do this, you'll get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. So join all the doctors and researchers, you know, and me in this fight and just text the word Bobby to 785-833. It's only six numbers, but text the word Bobby to 785-833. <sighs> So at what point do you start preparing your major, we'll call it major label debut? Like, do you start immediately? Did you already have the, the song that you led with? Like, I did not. I had, um, well, I guess Randy, Randy Montana was like my first co-write in town, first real co-write. And, um, and I'd wanted to go in. I'd never really co-written before besides with my older brother. And so I wanted to come in and have like a good idea. So I'd found this video of me like singing this song is what does that say about me i could love somebody like you was the original line and it was the melody that pretty hard is and i was like man how did i forget about that i'm gonna take that in tomorrow and so we ended up writing that song and i think i signed my deal not just a few months after that 
um, I think that's the right timeline. And um, and so I signed a deal, and I was like, these are the songs I have, and they were like, that's the one. Oh, so it was, it was immediate. They knew, you knew, yeah. all good. But it didn't, we were cut it, and then it didn't, hell, I don't know if it came, it probably didn't come out for close to a year. Yeah, we were just kind of sitting. Did that process feel like it was taking forever? Yeah, I was really, um, which I, I mean, I told myself in the beginning, I was like, don't go in here, and, and it's really easy to, you know, anything that's worth working really hard for, I mean, you know, probably just as well as anybody, like, as soon as it's, it starts, something's going to go wrong, something's not going to be what someone promised, whatever, so... I just kind of kept that in mind, and I was like, man, just, you signed the deal. I was like, just trust the process. I was like, these people have done it, you know. You're the one millionth artist that they've promoted and put on the big stage. And I was like, and he was, he talked me through a lot of that. You know, he's done, he's been through it a hundred times. So. What'd you do during that whole time, though, where you're waiting? Were you just writing? Writing, and, and I was coming up here and writing. I'd had my publishing deal for a year at that point, so I was writing a lot. Um, but I was touring. We were still playing 150 shows a year. Um, so... I was as busy as I could be. I mean, I, when I say I, I wasn't home more than two days at a time for four years, that's, that is no exaggeration. I would literally would get off the bus in Austin on Sunday, take the last Southwest flight out of, on Sunday evening to Austin, or I mean to Nashville, right, and go to meetings Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and fly right back Wednesday night. And Do it again. Go on the road, yeah, for like three years. When you stopped playing shows this last year, did, did you miss it? immediately or be like dang i can kind of exhale for a second before i get back at it it's kind of it's it's it's, this is a true story too like two weeks before we played our last show before i'd even heard of covid or corona or whatever it was called we called it corona at that time um i remember saying to the guys i was like man i wish we could just have like 30 because we were beat at that time we'd just done those shows with miranda it was life was crazy super fast and i was like i wish we could have 30 days off and then just be and so when it started, and I remember I called Enzo that day, and he's like, just go home, be like a week or two, we'll be right back to it, we'll figure all this out. And I'm like, two weeks off, beautiful. I'm about to go home and do absolutely nothing. Um, and then it was 365 days later exactly that we played our next regular show. So you're um, the reason COVID happened. Yeah, 100%. We were, we were yeah. wishing for it. Yeah, y'all can put all that on me. Yeah, That's great. I finally, kn- Mike, we finally know. <laughs> it was him. Yeah, what's, I, I've seen a bunch of your, a bunch of clips of your shows, people posting them. Um, I'm also a stalker, but what is a Parker McCollum show? What, what, what's the deal? Why do people love it so much? What do you do oh, that people are just like, this is the greatest live show? Man, I don't know. I tell people all the time when I meet them, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I wish I was cooler. I'm sorry. I'm so <laughs> underwhelming. Um, man, I don't know. Yeah. I think, um, I always say, um, it doesn't matter what genre or who the person is, male, female, whatever. Um, country doesn't matter. When someone opens their mouth to sing a song, instantly you either buy it or you don't right you would agree with that yes like, like instantly you're like as a performer music or anything else yeah, yeah you either buy, immediately right, i'm right. either i'm either like okay yes you have my attention or sure yeah um and so i think for the people that follow me and have followed me for a long time or new fans or old fans whatever i think they believe it and i think they buy it when i sing those songs that i write and i, I think it's as simple as that and so when they come to the show, man, the energy is, it blows my mind. Sometimes I'm in the middle of a song and I forget words because I'm thinking to myself, what in the world, why do they, why do they like us so much, you know? So, You're also a, a much better singer than I think I expected you to be. I think I've told you this before too, and this mm-hmm. isn't an insult in any way, but you can play, you're a good looking dude, 
Like you should be a packet. You, you you almost should be what the record label went and found and made it and just said, "Hey, we'll we'll don't worry about that. We'll mix him in the studio and he'll sound good because he's got everything else." Like, but you all you're also like a way better singer than you should be. Meaning, if you were ugly, you'd still be good. I appreciate that. That's would, the best compliment you could possibly get from me. If you were an ugly man, <laughs> you would still be a good artist. <laughs> well, thank you. Yes. I, I would like to if you could just. Come to my house now that we're kind of sort of neighbors and yeah. just tell me that every day to start the day. I'm probably good. What happened Thank recently? You. I was watching a clip. I think a guy threw a drink on a girl in your yeah. in the crowd. Did you see that or did someone? Yeah, tell you? no, it was like I mean, the, the crowd's three feet from the front of the stage, and it was we we had gone on stage and we came on to do our encore, um, and they were losing it, wanted us to do this encore, and and, and we we have it planned out for the show in case they ever want one. So we go out and and we. Get about. I've never stopped the show all the time that I've been doing. I've never stopped the show in the middle of a song ever. Usually, I just keep singing and watch them just beat the hell out of each other, and or, or I'll get done and say, "You guys can fight all you want, but if you lose, you have to leave." Um, and um, but usually it's a guy fighting a guy or a girl fighting a girl, which is a little more tolerable. Um, and so it was like second row. We we're right to start the right at the start of the encore and. And I just so happened to look, and I see this guy just shove this girl. I mean, this dude's with a cowboy hat on. He's probably 6'6". Six, six. I'm sure he's probably only about 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, but cowboy hat, it looked very big. And the girl was little bitty. And he just shoves her like that, like three or four feet. And she looks at me when he shoves her. And he's got a tall boy Miller Lite that he just cracked open, fresh beer. And just dumps it on her head. And she just freezes. And we're playing the whole time. The whole song's going. I'm singing the whole time. And I'm just watching this like, no way. Um, and so it had been a guy on a guy or a girl on a girl, whatever, that's a little more tolerable. But to do that to a lady, you know, how I was raised, where I grew up, that's just absolute, you know, you get, I don't know what you can say on the play, you get your you ass say, beat. Yeah, yeah you, you get your ass beat for that. Right. Um, which I was kind of surprised that the dudes didn't just start laying into him for doing it. Um, and the security was on it like that. But I just had to, I stopped the show, the song, I was like, dude, the guy's got to get out of here. Like, it's absolutely unacceptable. So, but the what? girl, she was like, the fact that I did that, she was soaked in beer and yeah, that sucks. Had the time of her life. Do you get any crap from any of your music friends in Texas for moving to Nashville? Nah, everybody is, loves is, it, dude. Is that because I feel like that stage is kind of over as well? Yeah, I mean, dude, my I I made it very clear from the start, and I was like, I, I grew up idolizing George Strait. You know, he has sixty number ones, probably more, I think two or three more than that, maybe sixty two, sixty three, something like that now. He's the epitome of of what I think anybody should aspire to be in country music. Um, and he sold out AT&T Stadium back-to-back nights, residency in Vegas, Madison Square Garden, you name it. You're not, he's just, there's nothing he hasn't done in the business. Um, he's a king. And so that was always, I was like, man, just you're never going to, I'll never get to that level. But try to, you know, and maybe you get halfway there. That's pretty damn good. Um, and so I always made it really clear that was my goal. Um, but it was always my goal to do it on really, I was raised on songwriters, um, really, really talented, you know, honest songwriting. And so the goal was always to go to that level and be on country radio without sounding like, you know, everything else that is coming out on country radio. And there's a dude, I say that all the time. People are like, whoa, whoa, whoa be careful. I'm like, a majority of that stuff I really enjoy. I really like it. It doesn't matter what genre is or songs I don't like. Um, but I like the majority of stuff on country radio. I just think that there's like a there's a there's a gap in a space for 
someone that's younger, like, like Chris Stapleton's phenomenal. He's an anomaly, right? Like as talented as a human being can be. But he's a little older. There's no like young kids, younger generation that are super like hung up on songwriting that are on commercial radio, country radio. And I just was like, maybe I could do that. So I'm really super competitive, and it's more of less like a mental challenge for me. I was like, maybe I can do that. Maybe I can pull it off. Did your brother help teach you how to write songs? Like, where how, you say you started writing them early. Where, how did you start to learn? Man, he, you know what? Actually, no, he would never teach me anything. He would always, um, he would always tell me to learn on my own. But I just, you know, he he introduced me to songwriters at a really young age. Like when I was 12, he gave me like a Traveling Wilburys album for Christmas. Um, Gave me a Towns record for Christmas one year when I was when I was really young. A Rodney Crow record, um, you know James McMurtry, Robert O'Keefe, just goes on and on and on. Chris Knight and Slade Cleves and um, Steve Earle and and he just this is all we listened to. We didn't listen to anything else. Um, and I just connected with it at a really really young age, and I really understood. Um, I just really related to where those guys wrote those songs from. I think, um, and I feel like I write my songs from the same place. Um, and so it was just, it was the only thing in my life that I've ever done that I really was like, I didn't feel bad or like I was being cocky when I was like, I can do this. You know, like sometimes people oversell themselves a little bit, probably more often than not. And I never felt like I was doing that with songwriting. I was like, I can do this. Um, and I just, it just, it felt like, I don't know, you know, like, you don't pick the game, the game picks you. You don't choose the whatever it is, the game, the game chooses you. That was kind of what it was for songwriting. It was like I couldn't, you know, but at the same time, had my brother been ice skating, I would be ice skating. Well, so like, is your brother in music now? Mm-hmm. What's, what, what is he doing? Where is he? He's doing his solo thing in Texas right now. What's He's actually name? cutting a record right now, Tyler McCollum. And is there any, listen, I know there's love. Is, is he like, dang, dude, you're killing it. And no, man, I think he's so stoked for me. Really? Yeah. I think, because he knew when, well, I remember when he would come home from college, um, and, and I, every time he, we, I knew he was coming home and I was in like junior high or high school, I would always try to have like a new song I'd written to show him. And I'd never, nothing was ever good. And he was always just like, that sucks. <laughs> All the time. He, had, he was no shame. And, uh, and I'd written a song, Permanent Headphones, and I was like a freshman in high school and came home and, he, and I played it for him. And he was like, you wrote that. On your own, he's like, you're gonna. He's like, you're gonna do this for a long time. I can remember him telling me that when I was really young. Um, and so I think now, because he's kind of the one that's like, yeah, told y'all, you know, I told y'all he would do it. So the value of having someone like your brother, because I have a couple of those in my life too, where it's hard to trust, especially when you start to get just an inch of success, because you have a lot of yes people around you, or a lot of people that are just like, oh, you're so good, you're so good. But you can really trust the people that can tell you when you're not good. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, you know that your brother, for example, when he does tell you something's good, you 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 believe it because of all the times he told you, you know, this just isn't yeah. quite good enough. I mean, he is that. He is a phenomenal songwriter. I try to get, I'm all the time, I'm like, dude, move to Nashville. Let me get you a publishing deal. I'm like, you'd be making millions writing songs, dude. But he, it's just not, he's like, as authentic and is honest in those writing those songs, and and I think I mean, he wants to sell a lot of tickets, and he wants to be very successful doing it. Um, but I don't think he necessarily was as hungry to be like, you know, on that level as I was. Like when I, st- I when from the time I was sixteen years old, I was like, it's either a one 
like top level or fail. I don't think it's necessarily that way for him. I'm going to play a little bit of uh, To Be Loved By You. Here is uh, the current single. So why are you always angry? Why are you always quiet? Why do you sleep alone? When I know you don't like it. Maybe you might be different. But can you tell me the truth? What in the hell does a man have to do? So you wrote that with Rhett, Rhett Akins. I did. That's pretty cool. Thank you, man. I mean, I love Rhett. Oh, dude, he's a G. Just as a kid, you're, you know, obviously younger than I am, but as a kid, Rhett was on the radio all the time when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, was a fan of him as an artist, and now, you know, getting to know him personally, and I just, Rhett, I think he was playing, we were playing the opera together, and I was doing comedy after he was playing, but right before he went out there, he pulled the biggest dip out of his mouth. But right before he walked in, he went, pulled yeah. it, threw it in the cup, and walked right on stage. I was like, that's disgusting and awesome. And that's the most red Akins thing I've ever seen in my life. Red Man Silver Label. Yeah. Every time we write together, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this. Sorry, Red, if you do. <laughs> he will chew an entire, I've seen him go through more than one, an entire bag of Red Man Silver Label. And, and we're there for three hours. You've seen how big a bag, it's yeah, not no, a can no, of I, dip, it's yes. a bag of chew. It's, it's, it's disgusting. Yeah. And I, I was like, that's disgusting, but I'm glad I got to see it. Like, I would expect nothing yeah. less from Rhett. When you write this song with him, who, by the way, as an artist, fantastic, but as a songwriter, even better, like Rhett throughout his career. Yeah. When, he gets both sides of it. Yeah. Whenever you write this song, was this one of those where you're like, yeah, this is special? Or what did it become special after, you know, you cut it? Or like, what process was this song special? Man, none of them are really special to me when I write them. And I think it's because I get so, like when I come up with this melody that I'm obsessed with or this idea or whatever, um, I get so excited then and then I write it and I'm like, oh, it's super cool. And then I just forget about it. Like I don't even think twice about it. Um, but this, I had actually written the first verse in a chorus on the back of the bus. Um, at like 11 o'clock in the morning, we were going on the road. We'd just gotten on the bus. Excuse me. And we just got on the bus. I was in the back lounge and, and, uh, I wrote it down. I'd actually said out loud, me and Hallie Ray were arguing at the time, having a little whatever, and um, and I said out loud, I was like, man, what does this man have to do to be loved by that girl? And he kind of perked up. He's like, yeah, you might want to write that down. And so I just, I mean, in 15 minutes, I went back and wrote the first verse in the chorus, and then same thing. I just forgot about it. Didn't even think about it. And then I had a write with Rhett. And when me and, when, when Rhett and I write, it's not like every, any other co-write. Like, we'll go sit for the first hour you know, he's having a chew. I'll probably bum some off him a lot of the time. And we just talk about like turkey hunting or deer hunting for an hour. Or like he's showing me pictures of all the deer he shot or at his, one of his farms here in Nashville. And then he'll be like, hey, so do you have anything? And that day I had, it was like a few days after I'd written that. and uh, Or maybe a couple weeks. And, and I was like, dude, I have this. And he was just like, all right, we'll finish it. And I was like, okay, whatever. And then, and he was on his phone, and I kept being like, what do you think about this? And he'd be like, yeah, how about this? And I'd be like, all right, what about this? And he'd be like, yeah, how about this for the second verse? And uh, and it was really slow. It was not like this big rock and roll, kind of Rolling Stones feel thing that it is now. Um, and we did a little work tape, and I left. And then we went going into the studio like three months later. And I was like, man, I remember talking to my producer, John Randall. I was like, this song could be this and most of the time i'm wrong in the studio i've learned that. i learned that very early on most of the time i'm wrong and but every now and then i'm like dude just 
give this a shot. And uh, we recorded it, and then Rhett called me, like, probably two months after that. Someone had sent him a rough mix, and he was like, did we write that together? And I was like, yeah, remember we finished it that day at your management, or his, I think it's his publishing office that he has. And uh, he was like, dude, that's insane. And I was like, dude, the song's... I was like, and I, I'm never hyped on my own stuff. I never think very much of it. I get over it very quickly. Uh, I'm on to the next thing very quickly. And that was the, like probably one of two ever that I've been like, yeah, this is dope for sure. You're, and probably more so because he thought so. Your EP, six songs, it's out now. Six songs, right? Hollywood Gold, yeah. And five of them you wrote. One of them is a Stapleton cut. Yeah. How, um, how'd you get that song? Man, I, that was my first outside cut on Universal. Um, that's the only song I've ever cut that I didn't write on Universal. And uh, I was driving to the ranch one day. I was in my truck. Um, and I got a text message from Brian Wright at the label. And it was just a, um, you know, like an audio clip on a text. And uh, it just said Stapleton slash Anderson. And I'm like, uh, he's on he's on Universal as well, Stapleton. So I was like, oh, maybe this is one of the perks of like being on the same label. You get to listen to his record before it comes out. I listen to the song and I call Brian. I'm like, yo, that's insane. Like, what an incredible song. And he's like, yeah, Stapleton never cut it. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, he wrote it in like 2006 or something or whenever he wrote it, a long time ago. And and I was like, he's like, do you think you would want to cut it? And I, I was like, dude, I, I sent it to my dad and he was like, that's the best song you've ever written. And I was like, no, I didn't, I didn't write that. And I, was like, <laughs> I was like, but I am going to sing it. And uh, I just, I was like, if instantly I just connected. They, they send me out, they send me outside songs all the time. That's the only one I've ever been like, I'm cutting that song. For sure. I, when I, because I know you write all your stuff. When I saw, I, I guess when the record came out, I was like, dang, he must have really loved that song. If he's going to cut something he didn't write. Yeah, it was just, I mean, dude, you, and it's been like in our show. Whenever that, like, all the lights go down and Charlie, my keys player, starts playing that piano part, the intro. And they just lose it, dude. I mean, they lose it. And that's the that's the first song. I had never gone no guitar on stage, like wireless mic. I can't. And so looking back now, when I was first doing it like a year ago, it was unbelievably awful. Me without a guitar <laughs> in my hands. But now I've kind of really come into it, and and I think I'm a little better at it. Um, hopefully, um, but it's so cool. I mean, go out there and and I'm literally in the crowd singing that song. It's really cool. Um, you're not gonna be able to do that for much longer, man. I, you're just not. I mean, that as you grow and you become a bigger star, people want to touch. It just becomes a, a safety thing. Yeah. Urban can still do it, but he has security go out with him and yeah. surround him, where you're really close. But you're gonna have the same thing where people are gonna be grabbing you, and you're not gonna be able to sing because they're literally physically pulling on you. That sounds like a good problem. It's to a. Have. It's the best problem. Yeah. To have. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in the best way. Like, yeah. You're not gonna be able to do that much longer. You could do like Dustin Lynch who gets in a boat and they carry him across. But, you know, <laughs> it's very extra. It's a great problem to not be able to go out without people attacking you in yeah. a loving way. Also, don't stage dive frontward. I did that once on your stomach. Yeah. It's where I didn't realize it. Did they did, catch you? Well, they punched me in the balls about 10 times. Yeah. I didn't think about Are it. They... Well, I don't know. They, it didn't matter if they squeezed or not. Yeah. Their hands, they, do. they were trying to. I don't think anyone would do that to me on purpose. For you, I see, I get it, right? They do, for sure. For me, I think they were probably trying to avoid it and still couldn't help it. I'm not, I mean, I, I, I really, I'm so, I, I, I steal from George Strait and his stage presence all the time and the fact that he's never had, he's never, it's like, you can't find one video of him taking one step on stage. Like, he's stationary the whole night and is just the king. And so I've always really kind of kept that in the back of my mind. And so that's kind of what the wireless mic thing is like, now that I, I do it, I do it for two songs. 
and and I kind of go out there and and it's I don't know if I it's not that I feel naked, but it's almost like in the back of my mind like I shouldn't be doing this, but I've kind of really grown to enjoy it because like not having to play guitar and sing at the same time it's really easy it's really nice to just sing um so I don't know it's I, I'm, it's kind of like a constant complex I have with myself and going out there and doing it was it a ladder step to sell out Billy Bob's yeah for sure I mean listening to Randy Rogers live at Billy Bob's Crossing Ragweed live at Billy Bob's Stony the Rue live at Billy Bob's like those are records I used, when I was in like fifth grade dude I would put them in my put the CD in my boom box and uh in my room and I would just I was just obsessed with them um and so when we got we first time we were played it we played on the honky tonk stage which is like the small stage up front and we did we did like two thousand people showed up um which was a huge deal for us i mean that was humongous for us and they paid us like 10 grand dude and i was like in cash and i was like i was like dude we're, we can retire like we're good um and so we went back one more time played the main stage and we didn't sell it out and then we went and played the main stage again and sold it out in advance and and that was like to have your handprints on the wall and all that. If you grew up in Texas, idolizing Texas singer songwriters, that's a big deal for you. I would think so too, especially being a Texas kid, yeah. right? And I was a Texas transplant, but I definitely had that in me. And it was like, man, if you go and sell, and I think you, you did Billy Bob, sold Billy Bob twice, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's a, a, and later on in life, as you sell out bigger and bigger places, that'll still be a freaking cool thing for sure. I mean, it's it, it was it was just something like. It's kind of like playing the Opry, you know. It's something that it's always kind of in the back of your mind, but you, one, you don't know if it'll ever happen, and two, you feel like it's a hundred years away. And then all of a sudden, it happens, and you're like, "Holy cow, dude!" The Gold Chain Cowboy is that yeah. what it is? GCC. Yeah. I remember I you I clicked I voted for that one on Twitter. I appreciate it. Yeah, and I was like, it, it can't be any of these other choices that you've picked. Like that no. was the legit best title for the next project. Uh, where are we on that? Man, we just. Is that, yeah, we just finished it yesterday. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, all tracking, all vocal, everything's yeah, done. All vo- I, finished, I sung the last two songs, sang the last two songs yesterday. And the light of day for one of those tracks, do we know when? Um, we have a song coming out this month. Okay. So You don't have to tell me. I'm not no, beating I, you up. I, I, I always want to tell. They're, I'm always getting texts from Enzo or Matthew or the label, and they're like, delete that, delete that. Um because I always want to tell everybody. Because, I mean, dude, they're messaging me at every day by the hundreds saying, we want more music. We want, like, I mean, dude, like three weeks after Hollywood Gold came out, they're like, okay, cool. When's the next one? <laughs> and I'm like, well, dude, being on a major label, probably five years. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But, but not it's, really. Uh, I think, so I think the record comes out in July as of right now. Um, and so we're kind of really what we're trying to decide right now is whether it's going to be another six song EP or whether it's going to be the full album. Because I've got about, I don't know, 14 songs, maybe 16 songs, totally ready to rock and roll. What's your gut tell you to do? I don't know. And and my thing is kind of like, and, you know, it doesn't matter what it is nowadays, um, you know, it, whether it's your album or like a tragic event, like the public is over it in like 48 hours. They're on to the next thing. Um, and so I think a lot of the kind of like strategy and a lot of the th- thought process behind releasing music nowadays is you know less songs a smaller collection of songs so an ep um and then that way so if you put out an album right you probably don't put out another full album for two years or at least a year and so if you put out an ep in the spring and then you put out an ep in a fall 
that gives you two chances to be relevant throughout the year, two chances to have something fresh coming out. So it makes a lot of sense. But I grew up, I just wanted to make records. Like I always wanted to write an album, record that album, put it out, go do it again. Um, but it does make sense to put out six just powerhouse songs. and then. But I kind of told the label, I was like, I want to put out a full album. You did? Yeah. As a consumer... I don't. I don't want my favorite artist to put out a full record if they can put out a couple, six, seven song EPs. Mm-hmm. I feel like even as with my favorite artists, there are some tracks I just don't spend enough time with because there's twelve or thirteen and yeah. I'm I'm rolling through them. Yeah. And I'm just like I don't know if I like that one. I feel like maybe I'm I'm missing some greatness because they put out too many at one time. Or it's like you ever notice like I do this with John Mayer a lot. He's like him and George Strait are my top two all time, and. Every time he puts out a record, like I fall in love with the whole thing, but I have my favorite songs. And then, you know, whether it's three months later or six months later, all of a sudden, like all the songs that weren't my favorite, I'm like, golly, those are good. Like, how did I miss out? Same way. You fall in love with those. Like, you just weren't, they didn't, it wasn't the right time for you where you were in your life for those songs. And then, so I'm like, for a full album, hopefully that's what my fans will do with a full album. You know, maybe by Christmas they'll be like, man, dude, the B side's really good. I'm going to end on this. I, I, I was giving you a hard time on my radio show about this. You had crushed at Nutty Brown, and you, it was the first time they'd opened <laughs> Like 10 people sent me. It was, <laughs> you had crushed at Nutty Brown. You, you, two shows, full capacity. The whole story was freaking Parker McCollum comes in, sells out Nutty Brown two times. And then at the end, it goes, yeah, but still holding the record yeah. for one show is yeah. Bobby Bones. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I only would have busted your balls because it was you. Anybody yeah. else, I'd have been like, but I like you, I, and I, uh, I thought you deserved it. So oh, Thank uh, you, man. I appreciate st- it. I still hold the record at Nutty Brown for a single show. Yeah. yeah. I saw my, my Uncle John sent it to me. My dad sent it to me. My uncle sent it to me. Or my other uncle sent it to me. I love uh, your family. Listen, I'm falling in love with this family. <laughs> dude, this I was, interview is going. I was, on the phone, I was on the phone with my mom when I was pulling in. I was like, hey, I'm pulling up to Bobby Bones' house. I'm doing do this podcast. i got to hop off the phone. And she's like, oh, he's just the cutest thing in the world. Tell him I love him. I can't disagree. And <laughs> I think I love your family. I li- I'm proud of the success that you have. And Thank I, you, man. And I love your confidence. Like, it's so refreshing for someone to know what they can give and then not only give that, but more. And I feel like that's what you're doing. Thank you, man. That means a lot. Like uh, it's it's refreshing to hear honesty from someone talking about their craft and their art who is really good and says, you know what, I am really good and I'm about to get better and I'm going to do it because I'm working hard and I'm getting better at the craft for no other reason. It's not, listen, I, I'm just naturally good. Watch me. It's like, hey, I'm, I'm getting better. I moved here to, to challenge myself. So, you know, I, I, I love to see it from an artist. I love to see it from, you know, from you, you know, anybody coming from, you know, from Texas, especially Austin, like That's it's just an extra layer to it. But uh, congratulations on all the success. And I'll, I'll end this the way I started it. Like it says so much about you and your team's character for you to stay on as the baby act on a major tour. Because you are literally passing up money. Yeah. Thousands and th- tens of thousands, pro- maybe six figures. It, it probably, yes, for sure six figures. You're passing that up to go, I said this, I'm going to do this. And that, and you don't even have to respond to that, but that says a lot about you. Enzo says a lot about you guys and... um just, just really cool. Thank you, man. So uh, you got it. You have a humongous truck. <laughs> it's not that big. It's a monster. <laughs> Did you see it? It is. It's big. I walked over. I, cause I, I pulled up and I walked in and I was like, I said, well, Parker's over at the, the other house. And I walked over there and I was like, well, there's Parker's truck right there. It is a, it's a, Did you drive that up? You bought that in Texas? Drove it up here? I did. Yes, sir. Jesus Christ. No. And it got smacked. The night I moved out of that condo downtown into my house here, 
someone smashed in the back window. So I was like, With, trying to steal from it, yeah. like busting. You know, like in? the sliding back window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just kicked it Did in. Did they take anything out? There was nothing. I've I've been my truck's been broken into so many times. I had a brand new F two fifty King Ranch that was stolen the second day I had it. The truck um, was stolen. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Did they? Uh, had they? Would you leave the keys in it? Or yeah, they just... both sets with the paperwork. Oh yeah. You really showed them, didn't you? Oh yeah. <laughs> and I ended up finding it. I ended up finding it six weeks later, like a hundred yards down the road. True story. Why? What? Um, what happened there? Man, I was headed to bus call, and I'd been looking for King Ranch F two fifty all over Austin with paper plates. I'd been looking for it everywhere. I was headed to bus call right there at South Congress in Barton Springs. You know where yeah. that Chevron is, that gas station. I do. It was in the parking lot. And I'm sitting at the stoplight, headed to the bus, and I'm like, I was headed to naughty, start the naughty or nice tour with my buddy Co Wetzel, and, um, and I look over and I'm like, King Ranch paper plates, huh? I was like, well, it's worth it. And I pull in, and I had just bought in a deer stand that day that the truck was stolen, and in the the box that it was in, it was a tree stand, and the bo- cardboard it was in was sticking up out of the bed, and, and my stomach just dropped, and I was like, oh, holy shit, this is my truck. Why? Why would they leave it there? And was it damaged? I think the guy had when he stole it, he went and hid it somewhere. And I think it just so happened that when he went to get it and pulled it in there to fill it up that day, um, it, it, that I had been driving by. And so I get out and I'm looking. I'm in. I'd already I'd just gotten. Do you a, think it just happened to be there when yes. you drove by to see? Is that my truck? The guy that stole it was there. And so, and I was in an identical. I'd gotten a new truck already. Insurance had got me a new truck. I just received the check for that truck that day. It's a brand new seventy-five thousand dollars truck. I was like, this insurance company's gonna think I'm full of shit. And I get out and I'm looking at it. And this guy walks up and he's like, "Hey, you're Parker McCollum, country singer." And I'm going, how, "How in the world does this guy know who I am?" He goes, "This is your truck. It's been here for three weeks. We've been trying to get a hold of you. We knew it was stolen." And I'm going. Why wouldn't you call the police? Why? And you don't. You know Austin. You don't park anywhere. You're not supposed to be. They don't tow right. you. And so, and but that guy ended up leaving. And as soon as he left, it started clicking. I'm like, that's the son of a bitch that stole my truck. That's so, crazy. But it was locked. I couldn't get anything out of it. So, so what happens then with that other truck? Who takes they, it? It's a total loss. They take it and I guess auction it off or take it back to a dealership and resell it or whatever. So, but I had to call the insurance company and be like, uh, I know y'all just sent me the check, but I just found it. And, and so, what do they say? Sure, you did. Yeah, Randy. they were. I mean, it's a total loss. It's gone. I follow Parker on Instagram, Parker McCollum. Uh, to be loved by you now. Uh, pretty heart went number one, massive, obviously. Good to see you, my friend. Man, thank you so and much, I dude. What a, a treat. I see you around. I mean, we just did an hour, basically. Uh, I feel like, I, heck, I feel like I know you even better than before you walked in here. Well, I've been a fan for even just getting to play your show that early morning uh, several months ago was was such a treat, man. That was really uh, that was kind of like the the Billy Bob's thing, man. You just one of those things. You're always like, I wonder if I'll ever get to do that. All right, thanks, man. Well, to your mom and your sister who may be listening, yes, let they me will say be. hello. <laughs> and I'm so happy you both exist. And uh, to the mom, I'm glad uh, you get, you got some you got some good kids. So, all right, there he is, Parker McCollum. Uh, here with Emma Klein. Who? Uh, just a quick backstory of how we met. Would you like to tell it? Because I have a version. Yeah, I'll tell my version. Go ahead. You, okay. So I was doing American Idol, and you are on American Idol, obviously. I was singing. I was trying to win. He was my competition, the fiercest <laughs> competition. Um, but I I actually hadn't known you, and my mom was like, oh, Bobby Bones, you got to look him up. I was like, okay, cool. So I met you briefly during group round, I think, and you were trying to convince me not to sing an original song. for, Or it wasn't group round. It was the solo round. Mm-hmm. And I didn't listen to you. And then I did eventually get cut. But then you were like, if you get cut, let me know. And you can come play piano for me. And then I got cut. 
hit you up on Instagram was like, he's never going to see this. And then ran into you at Radnor Lake on a hike. See, my version of the story is actually much better. It's a little glitzier. Okay, okay. Tell the glitz. I don't remember meeting you at uh, Hollywood Week because I, they stick me with 10,000 people. I'm sure. In 10,000 rooms. They tell me in my ear. They're like, okay. Do they tell you what to say? No. Okay. But they do say, here's the situation. Mm. So they're like prepping me for what I'm walking into because that's the only time of the whole season when on that show, they just grab my collar and go, go into this room. Here's what you're going to see. Yeah. And I don't know everybody yet. That's chaotic. It's chaotic for me too because yes. I get confused. Yeah, for you. Yeah. After Hollywood week, because Hollywood's chaotic right. as well, just for you guys. Just, I cried so much. <laughs> you just no sleep. No, yeah, I, I felt just, like a baby. Yeah. Um, and so I do not remember that. Yes. But I do remember going to Hawaii, mm-hmm. which is like, in my mind, the first time that we talked, like yes. actually had a conversation and you were doing a rehearsal for your Hawaii round and you crushed your rehearsal. And I was like, God dang. I was like, I don't remember her being that good, but I didn't remember you at all. Uh, but, Thank you. Yeah, of course. And, but I was like, I don't <laughs> I'm remember I'm glad I'm not her. memorable. <laughs> and, she, and you were so good. And I think you did a cover. Was Did you do a Bob Marley cover? I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is this love? Is this love? Is this love? Yes. yes. Just like that. And I um, I remember thinking, holy moly. And I told my producer, I was like, how come I haven't spent more time with her? Because, you know, everybody's trying to find the people that have a good story or are great singers or might, you're just looking for good television early on. Right. And they're like, well, someone said, well, she, we haven't felt like she has made good TV yet because she's been strong, but she hasn't been crazy. Mm. She hasn't been one of the like top three or four they like oh she's gonna win right now they were like but she did, had such a great performance let's go talk to her i was like great so when we you and i did a little talk on camera yes yeah it wasn't anything big but we did it in front of the stage i think right over there in hawaii in the same yeah night. yeah yeah we did that and i remember going this is before your performance because i didn't stick around because i wasn't gonna stay all night i was right. i had to fly back to nashville um, yeah oh my god yeah <laughs> listen it's back and forth all for over me for the place and i remember going oh there's no no chance she gets cut like she's too good but i remember telling you once you told me you lived here because you're going to belmont yes I said, yeah i remember hey if you don't make it when you don't make it come play with me because i thought you played piano because you played it on stage <laughs> no i didn't play it on stage what happened was you were like do you play any instruments and is that I was what like, happened and i play and i was like yeah i play some guitar some piano and that's when it happened. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, you fooled me, whatever yeah. it was. Hey, and to fake your credit, it till you make it. To your credit, you continued to fake it. I did. And so, you did, and then I remember talking to Luke afterward, and I was like, I called him the next day when I saw you didn't make it. I said, why didn't you guys put Emma through? And he was like, he's like man, she was good, and I, I thought she should go through, but uh, I didn't win that one. And I was like, all right, well, that was it, right? Mm-hmm. But I knew that you were back here, and we were putting together the, the idiots for some big stage shows. Yes. And so, did you message me? I did. Okay. Yeah, but I was like, at that point, I think that you had just maybe, like, you had a million followers. So I was like, I mean, it's probably just going to get lost in DM world. So what I did is I went to your page, clicked message, and you had sent me a message because I was going to send you a message. Okay. But I saw you walking down the random street. At Radnor. At Radnor. (laughs) And I was in my car, and I was like, Emma? She's walking with, like, a couple other people. She was like, yeah, and I rolled my window down. And I was like, hey. Uh, let's go. I'll message you as soon as I leave here. <laughs> okay. And then that was it. If I hadn't parked my car exactly where I parked my car, I wouldn't I have run into you. Yeah, I don't know that we would be both sitting here together in that 
That's crazy. With, it, with that happening. That's but crazy. also, if you wouldn't have signed up for Idol. Yeah, yeah. If you wouldn't, but who knows? Maybe if you didn't sign up for Idol, someone else would have found you playing at a, at a bar and you would be selling out Madison Square Garden. Right you now. never know. You never know. Crazy. But we are here. Um, then you said, oh, yeah, I play piano. It turns out you didn't really play piano, <laughs> but she practiced a lot. <laughs> I had, So here's the thing. You I, played one show with this on piano. I, I played a couple. Did I played it, one in California with a big band. For, in but Fresno. then I played only, yeah, but I only played one with just you and Eddie. Got it. Yes. And then Walker came in after And then, that. thank God, when you were like, do you have Walker's number? And I was like, yes, I do. And then I she do. opened. <laughs> then she opened a whole tour for us. I was. So we spent five months together, basically. Yes. Okay. I was quite happy to to open for you. I think that it was the best op- option and for now, me. <laughs> now we're here. That's how we met. Yep. You are out of school now. Yes. You, you have a big fancy publishing deal where they're paying you to write songs. You basically... You, when I met you, you were working as a waiter at some fancy Spanish restaurant place. Barcelona Wine Bar. So good. Have you mm-hmm. ever been there? I don't think so. It's really, it's like tapas bars. So you they, don't work there anymore. You don't have to sell it anymore, but I get well, it. Well, hey, I still get half off sometimes. Yeah. There's the right managers there. So I. Well, she's all fancy now, Mike. <laughs> she's writing songs. And, but there's a reason you're actually here today now that we've caught up. Um, you just put out a, a new EP. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Love Me Too. Mm-hmm. Why Love Me Too? What's that? What, what'd you name it that for? So I know it's the name of a track, but like, why would you pick that as the, the encompassing album name? For sure. So the, the whole EP is basically the story of a relationship, and it was back in college. And um, just kind of me coming in and out of, of like one bad relationship from before college, and then that one in college, whatever. So long story short, like just kind of searching for love in all these other places that were outside of myself. And I think that I was just in this headspace for a while where I was, I don't want to say desperate, but I just was like lonely, which is a normal human thing. But I just, um, I never was comfortable being alone with myself. And then I wrote that song, Love Me Too. And it's just all about like, after this whole series of love stories about me struggling with like other people, um, it's like, I got to love me too. So that's why. There are five tracks. Yep. Here is track one, Call It What It Is. Can we just call it what it is? Everyone knows it's obvious, but you make it a mystery. Like one and one ain't easy. So this was, in my mind, the first one that was existing. Yes. Yeah? This came out like two years ago. Yeah, I used to play it at shows. And I was like, dang, then we started playing it on the national weekend shows. Yep. And you would be like, I randomly used, my Spotify gets a big spike for some reason. (laughs) She's like, I'll just, like on a random Sunday, I'll look and there's a huge spike. And I'm like, yeah, but we're playing it on the national show. People hear it. That's what happens. That's how it's supposed to work. People hear it and they go, oh, that's cool. Let me go find it. They listen to it. It's magic. It is magic. Uh, that is track one. Here is uh, track two, Butterflies. So that song is about you not having butterflies anymore because it's over. Yes. Yes. It's the, the coffee closure talk and realizing the butterflies are gone. Is this chronological? Yeah. Well, okay. So here's the thing. Actually, I accidentally put the wrong order out on Spotify and we're rearranging it. So technically, 
Off my mind comes before butterflies. Well, I was going to say, because butterflies seems a little early yep. in the whole, unless you like murder them in track five. It's like, <laughs> I don't understand that arc. Yeah. So it's actually supposed to be called what it is, off my mind, then butterflies. Mm-hmm. So we're going to switch. It's going to get fixed eventually. But just so for, yeah, thank you for that. Yeah. Here is yep. off my mind, track three. Broken heart to the other side that the world I fall, I left you tattooed on this lonesome and lovesick brain of mine there ain't nothing I can do to get you off my mind that's a good one thank you yeah, you're quite the little songwriter there thank you. you so much that was a song that was like I want to write songs forever really yeah I'm reading this uh, Mike posted a note about you here it says um, you were prompted just to go back to Idol for just one split second Prompted by your friend Walker Burroughs. I didn't know you, he actually got you to do that. Yeah. Was yeah. he the season before you? No, we were the same season. He was, we were in an acapella group together. And he was, he texted me. It was actually while I was serving at Barcelona. He's like, I got an idol audition tomorrow. You should totally come try out. And I was like, I've tried out for those shows like so many times. I was like, eh, it's fine. And then he's like, no, seriously, it's easy peasy. It's like just at the hotel this week. So I did it. So, yep, he got me to come along and. We got to do that together, so it was pretty cool. I didn't know that was... I thought you guys just knew each other from back home. I didn't know yeah. there actually was a, you know, a hand in getting you to come on the show. It was wild. Walker and I, like, seriously, like, our paths crossing, it's kind of the same thing as us. It's like, we... Uh, it was just crazy. For the past three years, we've both been having the same opportunities come up. So it just was awesome to have a friend through all of that. I hired Walker to play at Caitlin's sister's wedding. You did? Mm-hmm. Did he already play there? Mm-mm. It's in, like... Three weeks. And a, when, when's your wedding? June what? June 5th. It's like the week after? Yeah. That's amazing. So. Oh, yeah. She, Caitlin's sister, loves Walker. And I, I got to know Walker quite well on mm-hmm. Idol. I mean, that's why he's basically the third idiot at this point. Yeah. If we're playing, Walker's with us. Yep. But I didn't know Walker was the one. Oh, here's what it says. It says, Walker Burroughs uh, got you in to American Idol where her vocal talent entranced Bobby Bones. <laughs> Who wrote that? <laughs> It was me. Yeah. <laughs> Who then took her to open for the Raging Idiots tour until the pandemic. That is true. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, let's see. It was on the stage in 2019 that Emma Klein revealed her underpinned inspiration for her second try at the show. Uh, let's see. Off my mind. And then it goes on to stuff. Okay. Let's do another song here. Down. Give me some of Down. Down, down, down. Baby, I'm so afraid. If you keep me around till day breaks, will you still feel the Fortress for so long now. How do I tear it all down, 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 down? Maybe it's the moon. I start crying <laughs> right now on the interview. And then here's the final track Love Me Too. Dang, you hit him like that. You're you hit him on, like that. But you're looking for something else. Uh, do you talk about your boyfriend now? Oh, do you? Do I want to talk about my boyfriend? No, do now? you? Oh no, I don't. I don't. Not at all. No, not at all. Good for but you. But it's it's great. And hold to it. He plays drums for me, so he gets to play all of these songs. No, 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 no. Do you talk about him in public if someone asks you? About, like, if I were to go, oh. do you have a boyfriend? What would you say? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've seen him on your social media. I yeah. know, I've met him. Oh yeah. But I don't know in an interview setting if you go. 
Oh, yes. Well, I'll talk about him. Okay. How I about, don't care. And what does he think about you doing a whole EP about... My ex. Yeah. He actually just... Um, we just did a music video and I hired Garrett. Well, I didn't hire him. He worked for free. Uh, and he was... He played my ex in the music video. Your current played your ex. Yes. He's, and, he's a good sport. And how is that relationship going? It's going great. Because you guys started being together whenever you were still out with me. Yeah. Yep. And you're still good. We're still good. It's so easy. It's like so funny. It's just it's just easy peasy. Do you ever go, oh, it's been tough though. I, I was just kind of thinking of your last year or so because you've kind of really started to figure out who you are and you're writing and you've mm-hmm. been dedicated to music almost solely. I was going to ask you like if you go somewhere and, you, and, and you're like, yeah, I'm an artist in Nashville or a songwriter, how people react to that. But I guess you haven't been a lot of places. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of insane. Like I graduated Belmont. I actually missed graduation because of American Idol. And and I had been fully anticipating traveling. Like I'd been saving money. I was going to go travel in Europe for like six months and just do whatever. Come back, try to get a pub deal eventually. But it was just one thing after the next, after the next. And then I signed a pub deal, got off tour with you, and then the pandemic hit. So it's just, it's crazy how... It happened that way. Are you still riding on Zoom at all? Or are you back in? Um, pretty much back in person. Most people are either fully vaccinated or, you know, mask on, whatever. And we've been we've been riding in person again, which is nice. You don't you don't deal with the Zoom lag of a guitar anymore. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. <laughs> That's been hard. But and it's it, kind of hard to sing along with somebody if you're like if they're playing and you're kind of I'm gonna, you know chasing a melody and you can't really match it because there's a little lag it's so hard especially if you're working with a producer during a zoom right because they're on their computer so you kind of get the lag from their computer and you sing but i actually had my first like legit cut on a zoom right um hannah kerr a christian artist i know hannah yeah i know hannah yeah yeah she's great so she cut um it's called same god and that that like hit top 40 a couple weeks ago so that was super exciting i was like what the heck a zoom right just a right period. That's that that right your, is that period. your first cut? Yeah. That's yeah. not you? Yeah, I've done a couple for like friends, so it's not technically my first cut. Like that went to Belmont, but that's my first like... First Nashville major, cut. First of somebody Nashville cut, yeah. That you couldn't possibly be a roommate with. Exactly. Exactly. That's really cool. Isn't that awesome? Congratulations. Thank you, you so much. haven't had a pub deal, but about a year, right? Yeah, or it's been a little bit over a year now. Dang. Uh, down, we're put, playing down on the Country Top 30, right? We are. Oh, sweet. Did you not know that? I did not know that. When is that? Next Next weekend. Okay. Wait, sick. not this weekend. Not this weekend. The following one. Yeah, but I don't, I'm confused because this show airs on Friday, but still it's the same. Not this weekend. Correct. But the next. So we're going to, okay. you will be highlighted Thank on the, you. the biggest countdown in America. Thank you so much. And down will be played and you will be our spotlight artist. So I can expect to have a random increase in. Not only that. <laughs> We were, we're also playing the song on the Women of Our Country thank as you. well. Thank you, thank you. So there you go, a little, you get a play, you get yes. a spin, you get a spin. I really appreciate what, it. What's happening now with you as an artist? So. Because I, I know you wrote this, you sang this, but, and what I mean is you have a publishing deal and you're writing songs for other folks, but like, are you going to go try to play and travel and what, what's the deal? Yeah, I would love to tour again as soon as possible, open for somebody. Um, I would love to think about record deal in the next year or two um just talk to more people and but honestly yeah just i i think that i struggle in writing rooms to write for myself i really love writing for other artists when i get in a room and i think that's probably because it's a little bit harder for me to like trust the process like putting it in someone else's hands like my own artist stuff so i'm getting a little bit more comfortable with that each write and so i'm hoping to write a little bit more for myself in rooms and also find some good producers to do the next project with 
What is your? Let me look at your um, streams here. Yeah, definitely call it what it is. Hit it the the best because of uh, your help. <laughs> no. Uh, yes, I think it's I, also. No, no, a, I agree, but it's also a great song. It's I mean, an upbeat one, you know, so that's always fun. People people don't always like to be as sad as I like to write songs about. I like that your phone case matches your jacket. It does. Why red? Why? Uh, it's the only color I can really see. Are you colorblind? Yeah, ha- crazily. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm, crazily. Um, I was looking. Here's a, Mike, when you pull up The Raging Idiots, you ha- actually, you have another cut, too, I'm you, not- that you forgot about. Oh, it's not you, it's me. No, two other cuts. Wait, what's and More the- than that. Mike, if you'll pull it up, the intro song to our entire stage show, uh, yes. which is like a little Broadway number where Eddie and I come out separately. It's called I'm Here. I remember sitting at the house and writing that song. Me, you, and Eddie wrote it, and then but Walker performed it. Yes. But we sat there with keys and just clunked around, and I was like, I want it to be some kind of like... And remember, I forgot my piano to the right. Do you remember that? I was late. I was an hour late, and I forgot my piano. Why I, were you an hour late? I why forgot, did I ever talk to you again? I didn't know what time. <laughs> I, I knew it was at like Tuesday at two, but I thought it was a Monday. I thought that like the current day was a Monday. So you called and I was like, yeah, it's at t- on Tuesday. You're like, today is Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no. Okay. Yeah. Rewind that on up. You play it from the beginning. So here, let me, let me teach you this here. We're, we're out. You can pause it for a second. It, it's dark except for two, well, two large hanging men, one red and one green with like a stick outline. Mm-hmm. And then the keys go. Run, dun, dun, dun. And this was the intro to our entire comedy music show. All right. Eddie's out first. That's, they cheer loud when he comes out. I'm here. I'm here. I hope that you're ready. I'm here. I'm here. It's your favorite Mexican, Eddie. We're going to sing some songs. You're going to sing along. And if you think Bobby can sing, well, you're wrong. That's why he brought me along. I'm here. I'm here. And then I'm going to come out of the other side and the crowd will cheer. It's all edited in there. Yeah, yeah, we did this now. <laughs> I'm here, I'm here. Some people think I'm a weenie. I'm here, I'm here. Because they saw me dancing on TV. I got a mirror ball, I can't see it all. I can't get a girl to give me a call. That's why I brought him along. <laughs> but and then it goes on and on, on and on and on. So but good. that's how we started the show, and we wrote that at the very beginning. Yep. You came over, like, all right, we're going to do this. Let's write a, an intro song to the whole stage show. Because it wasn't just me doing stand-up or us just playing songs. There was kind of a, a comedy, you know, an entire little uh, strain we, yes. we, we created. We, I remember we had also written a song about a turkey on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. We, tried, we had a Thanksgiving. Here's the thing about records. You write a bunch of songs, some of them just yep. don't make it. We yep. were doing it, trying to find a Thanksgiving song, Mike. You, nice. You'd have been like, where's that one My dad did go? play it on Thanksgiving. I, I had the little voice memo, and he... He loves you. My dad was like, you need to uh, give Bobby. My dad always is buying you presents. So he's got one for you for your wedding. Nice. We'll get here eventually. <laughs> and then we wrote, uh, It's Not You, It's Me. We wrote that together? No. Or did you just sing I that? I just sang that. Uh, yeah. Dang. But you did get a cut on I'm Here. Yes. Yeah, there, see? Yes. And I loved singing the It's Not You, It's Me. That was so fun. This one? Mm-hmm. It's a love song. The crowd's like, oh. And I don't want to break your heart And I know it's going to sound cliche But I don't know what else to say It's not you, it's me 
Good enough. Great song. Good enough. They should come out at the end and they'd laugh. And that was it. <laughs> well, listen, you're uh, you're doing great. Thank you. You're just a kid, 24 years old. And are, like, what are you staying in Nashville? Yeah, I'm staying in Nashville. I'm hoping that um, eventually I can kind of go back and forth between LA. Um, maybe eventually London would be really cool. But just um, doing it, that was a really cool thing about Zoom rights was how much we got to go like. People I would only get to write with in person in LA, suddenly we were now like, okay, cool, let's just Zoom. We might as well, we can. So now I'm like, okay, cool, I have a couple friends that mm-hmm. live there now, so that'll be nice. And you're going to go out on the road and try to play some shows? Yep, yep, I'll keep you updated. All right. Anybody out there need me? Well, nobody actually hears this. We just keep this for us and listen to it at the end of the week. <laughs> yeah, I haven't been recording this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We just kind of talk about it. Like, remember that time she said that? Hey, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just use it as your sleep noise. You guys check out Love Me Too. Five songs. Were you writing today? No. Okay. You didn't leave a right to come do this. No. This was my only thing today. A thing about Emma, she's so good, and I can't wait for whenever you become a big star to go, she used to come to my house at one in the morning and walk Stanley. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> Crashed had, my car doing it. That's right. Oh, I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. She had a key to the house, and Stanley was a puppy puppy, mm-hmm. and he was just a dick. <laughs> 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 and Emma would come at one o'clock in the morning because you know I'd go to bed early and have to get up and go to work. And yep. she'd come and walk, take him outside, and let him use the bathroom at one in the morning. And you you wrecked your car. It's like a fender bender, right? Tell me that story. So I <clears throat> actually Nolansville and Thompson in Nashville. Everyone, watch out when you're driving through that intersection because I got in two accidents in two days back to back in that intersection. The first one, I was driving to your house. It was probably me and one other car. And they're like in the left turn lane and I'm in like the, there's like a left turn lane, two middle lanes, and then one right turn lane. They were in the left turn lane. They decided last minute through the light to just that they wanted to turn right. I just didn't have time to stop. So like we hit, it was crazy. I was actually with Walker. We were both fine. So that was good. I actually still uh, have my little uh, rear view mirror from that car. Loved that car, but I was okay. So it was good. That's my whole story for you. Nice. Very exciting. And we'll wrap with that. You always want to end on a high note. <laughs> yeah. And we didn't get to this show, but maybe yeah. next one, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys follow Emma. I am Emma Klein. I am Emma K-L-E-I-N. Um, I play her because I think she's so great. Thank you. I wish we got to hang out more. I rarely get to see you anymore. Hey, uh, you're I'll just, come you're over. Just, you're just a big star now. No, you won't Bobby. walk the dog. You won't do anything. I would actually um, love to come over and cook with Caitlin sometime, hang out with the dogs. You just let me know. All right. I'm available. You guys check out Love Me Too. It's five songs that are slightly out of order, but they're going to be in order soon. Yes. Yes. And all right, that's it. Follow her, listen to her, support her, and I'll see you soon. Thank you. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tacovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. You can probably spell it. You probably know it. Tacovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today.
This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.